The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A new book, Show Business with Blood, offers an intimate journey through Irish boxing's triumphs and challenges, highlighting boxers like Steve Collins and Tyson Fury and Katie Taylor. Now, let's hear a clip of what boxing meant to the Irish people when Barry McGuigan won a world title. When McGuigan finally won the title, he became a symbol of, of hope, of peace, of achievement. The reason he did that was because he was a man of violence, if you like, because he was a fighter. If he'd been a footballer or a rugby player, a snooker player, anybody else, I don't think he would have had the same impact. You had to be a fighter to have that impact. Well, the author of Show Business with Blood is uh, Eamon Carr. You might know him as a drummer with horse lips. You might know him as a, an aesthete <laughs> and much more. Eamon, good morning and welcome. Pat, good morning. Uh, Great to see you. Uh, you've had a lifelong fascination with boxing. This book could not have been read, but, but, but be written by anyone other than a total enthusiast. Yes, but it was slightly covert for many, many years. But as a child, I mean, oddly in the 50s, um, in Kelton County Mead, the local curate had set up a boxing club for the kids in the school. And my dad and my uncle would give him a hand. I mean, you know, we like to think they were coaches, but I think they were just helping out, moving the desks and the, and the furniture and so yeah. on, setting up bags and, and a little ring and all the rest of it. And I, I'd be brought along because there was nothing else. There was no, this was slightly pre-TV, by the way, you know, mid-60s, mid-50s rather. And then we had uh, Olympic medals in Melbourne. So there was a great old buzz at the time and boxing was a thing. And still today, hundreds of amateur clubs, every parish, a bit like the GA, all around the country, loads of volunteer coaches and people helping the community. And it's a, as a sport, it was fascinating. And from there, you know, I be, obviously began to look at sort of, well, we'd see on Pathé News and maybe then on television. So the big American fights and then Muhammad Ali arrived and of course everybody was fixated. And and, uh, American fights happened of course in the dead of night, our time. So you'd be tuning in to the radio the next morning to find out who won between Sonny Liston and Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. and I had a little crystal set in my boarding school (laughs) that I was loaned by a chap and I'm listening to this fight and it it was fascinating. And then in the ring after the fight, Muhammad Ali actually at the time, Cassius Clay. And he's shouting, hey, he's been interviewed. And he's going, hey, there's Sam Cooke. Let that guy in here. That's Sam Cooke. He's a great singer. And Sam <laughs> Cooke is dragged into the ring. And then suddenly Muhammad Ali goes off. He said, uh, Sam is making a record with me. So I was doubly fascinated at that stage because yeah. I loved rock and love roll and I love boxing. Well. So here we go. Um, the, the origins of boxing, though, it, it goes goes back to Greco-Roman times. Yes, uh, the Olympics in Greece and even, even before that. And I suppose... Because I had, a, a, oddly enough, a classical edu- education and I'd, I'd read Latin and Greek, the, I would have been reading about boxing matches, you know, in Virgil and, and Homer. And, yeah. and, and I was thinking, oh, that's amazing. They were doing that back then. And they were wearing gloves. They were wearing these gauntlets with, stitched together with, with, with hide of animals and, and bits of metal and so inside. But not to hit the other guy, but to actually protect our knuckles. Yeah. Um, you quote from the Greeks. You say um, that they got it right in their definition, which is hitting and trying not to get hit. Essentially, is exactly, what, essentially it is. what it is. Yeah, and, and, and anybody that actually has been in a boxing match or faced an opponent in a boxing match, you realise that right in that moment, there's somebody in front of you who's actually trying to hit you and your job is to try and avoid yeah. that. And, and yet you fall time, on each other like brothers at the end of the bout. I've always found that astonishing. And even now, sometimes 
it feels a bit voyeuristic at ringside in a, in a professional fight, which might go 12 rounds. And two men, usually men, but I mean, uh, uh, Katie Taylor and Serrano was the fight of the year, but the, maybe two men hammering each other and you're there and you see the sweat and you see the yeah. blood and you see the spittle and they're hitting each other and they're maybe cut and so on and so forth and bruised. But when it ends, if they're still standing, they embrace because they're brothers. They've been through hell and back. Um, you have another quote, though, from Hugh McIlvanny, who maybe describes it uh, more accurately. Two men trying to batter each other senseless. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, <laughs> you could turn a phrase. <laughs> but essentially, that's it. I mean, professional boxers don't want to actually go the distance. They try and get the fight over here, so they finish work early. Knock the guy out, end the story, good luck. Um, you, you say uh, at the beginning of one of the chapters, I think it's chapter six, that boxers have to be delusional. What do you mean? Yeah, well, it's, I sort of relate to that. It's a bit like rock and roll, really, isn't it? Everybody wants to be Elvis Presley or the Beatles in, in music. Uh, and, and boxers, you know, kids coming through, uh, they want to be champions. And initially, it's like they want to be champions in their club and they want to be champions in the county and they want to be champions in the province, in Ireland. But they're always looking at a dreaming of a, of a world title fight. And there's a great step up in, 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 well, in the amateur game, it's the Olympics or the world championships. And in the professional game, there's national titles, uh, there's, there's European titles, and Ireland have had loads of European champions. And then you have intercontinental titles, and then you're aiming for the world title. And guys, re- they always think, I want to be the world champion. You write about so many different boxers. In fact, all the the, the catalogue of our, our Irish boxers. Um, and one of them is Tyson Fury. Now, you Remarkable. talk about the, the moment of his birth. Explain. Yeah, Tyson was a premature child, a baby. And and his father, well, with this tiny little infant, like like no bigger than a, a bag of shit. He weighed a pound a, and a half. A bizarre, isn't it? I mean, that's in the records. So, you know, but anyway... Uh, presumably they shoved him into an incubator and but the dad had this sort of vision that he was that they they, they believed themselves to be from a great fighting family and a great fighting tradition and a heritage and he says this guy's a fighter he's going to live he's going to be and not only that but I sort of sense that he's going to become the champion of the world let's call him Tyson. After Mike. Yeah, after, after Iron Big Mike. <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, Tyson went on to live and up he to did. that name. And, and, and uh, I, I, I met his uncle, Peter in Dundalk, uh, and Tyson was over for his cousin Hugh was fighting. And he, uh, the, the, the uncle had taken over his training. And up to that, I felt Tyson was a bit of a lumbering sort of mm. character. Six fights, and the uncle was saying to me, I mean, he is a world champion. We're going to be having a world champion, and I think it'll happen within a year or two. And I'm going, ah, yeah, 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 pull the other one. But he, he began working on him. Six fights later, six fights later, he beat Klitschko, who had up to then was totally unbeatable. Remarkable story. Uh, I want to read a little bit from uh, chapter four because it, it really captures your writing, and uh, uh, I'll just uh, give it a go. All right. The bell rings. 29 seconds later, a punch that causes a world of trouble hits its target. A clubbing right hook crashes into the side of Bernard Dunn's head. It's followed by a sharp left that comes up venomous and terrifying from the deep. Dazed, Dunn tumbles backwards and lands on his arse. He takes an eight count. In his corner, Harry Hawkins is screaming like a man who can see the roof caving in. For the next 46 seconds, Dunn impersonates a haystack in a tornado. Caught by another savage right, he's on the canvas again. Another mandatory eight seconds plus a few extra moments of respite as the referee exhorts him to raise his gloves for protection before waving the fight on. Under a furious onslaught, 
Dunn is rudderless, a canoe floundering in the wake of a battleship, the punches rain down, disoriented and pawing against a tidal wave. He slumps to his knees. It's over. Well done. I mean, that was, if you're sitting beside, see, I was really privileged to be able to be allowed to sit at ringside uh, from, from the, the, from the Mill Street, the famous Mill Street fight. And, it's a, it's a privilege. And I was witnessing such extraordinary events that I, I felt compelled to tell the story. And, and not just the story, but the backstory and the story yeah. behind that. Because that's what even makes it more fascinating. And Bernard Dunn was a European champion at that point. He was 86 seconds. He was on the ground, knocked out. Right, fight was ended. Bernard picked himself up. He came in. He addressed the media afterwards. He didn't make any excuses. He went away. He changed his training regime. And four or five fights later, he was a world champion. I mean, it's a remarkable, a tale of redemption, essentially. Yeah. And it's that sort of... This is rocky courage. territory, isn't it? Yeah, oh, totally. And, and all of them, they're all, all, of, all of the successful guys are like that. And the, the fellows who don't actually do it, you know, they, they, they try. But it's, it's resilience, courage, uh, some sort of personal drive beyond our ken, frankly. And every time it happens, it's like a chess game. It's a physical encounter. It's a mental encounter. uh, There's there's psychology involved. It it never fails. Now, the difference between the amateur game and the pro game, I mean, it's a massive gulf between the two. Yeah. um, Who was it? One of the promoters once said to me, oh, he said, that's like sword fencing or something at the Olympics. He said, amateur game, it's tip-tappy stuff, you know. But you're still trying to score and you're still trying to hit your opponent. Um, But, you know, maybe it might be three rounds, but, but... but when you go pro, it's suddenly it's four rounds, it's six rounds, it's eight rounds, it's ten rounds, it's twelve rounds, and big endurance, and so stamina, uh, tr- uh, training. You have to be really tough for that. Uh, it used to be it's fifteen. A, an rounds. extreme sport, essentially. Yeah. Uh, the the dark side of boxing, you know. Indeed. The, I mean, the 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 hoods were always involved in the pro game, and whether it was about betting or whether it was just they were attracted to legalize violence, I'm not quite sure. Probably a bit of both. Um, probably a bit of both. And uh, you know, you hear stories of the likes of Don King. You know, the big, the, the big American promoter with the big wiry head, and as if he's just been his ear has been electrocuted. Um, and a fascinating individual. Then you discover, you know, he'd been in jail. He'd killed a guy and, you know, stomped him to death. This sort of stuff. I mean, like some sort of scary characters, but avuncular and, 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 and collegiate and a great personality mm. as well. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really bizarre world. And you don't ignore the elephant in our room, which is the Regency Hotel. We can't, you know, we can't. But on the other hand, you know, the, you know, these individuals sort of sort of came into the boxing world in Ireland, and and they, and they were working through it, and and I, I suspect a lot of them were in there for the right, yeah, for the right for the sporting reasons as well, because they were putting stuff into their community and what have you. But it's um, that's dreadful tragedy, and, and 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 so many people died, and so many people uh, families bereaved, and and. Oddly enough, so many boxers' careers ruined as a result. Now, we said at the very beginning of our conversation that this goes back to Greek and Roman times. You wonder, in this very woken era, how long boxing will be allowed to continue? Yeah, I... I, 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 You know the way bullfighting is under cloud in Spain? Indeed, oh yeah, and I detest bullfighting. And indeed, I'm not a fan of coursing either, for that matter, or indeed the hunt, you know, but however... um, 
but the defenseless animals. But the human beings, the, you know, the men and the, and the women, the women, they make their own decisions. They want to do this, and they're and they're allowed to do this. And there are there are certain safeguards, obviously. And and uh, as boxing has developed over the years. You know, there's there's emergency uh, medical doctors in in the corner monitoring mm. everything, so they have a lot of safeguards in place to allow the boxers, you know, chase their ambition. Yeah, and, and uh, the guys who'd be punchy at the end of the day. There was a story years ago about, uh, you know, one of the old boxers, and uh, you'd go to mass on a Sunday, and when the altar boy would ring the bell, he'd hop out he'd of the pew and start shadowbox. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, brain I know, damage it's, is there. It's, it's, it's there in rugby concussion. too, of course. Absolutely, as indeed it is in rugby. You know, so I mean, there are, but I, I most of the, well, all of the boxers know. I mean, they know they know the risks, and when you see them walking up the steps into the ring. You know, it's, it's, it's a, really, it's a eerie people. moment. Yeah. And then when they start hitting, and then when the blood starts flowing and the cuts start appearing and you're sitting there and you're... And, oh, frankly, I'm not alone in this. Jerry Callan, uh, 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 the rest of all the boxing writers, they all they all will admit to feeling a bit squeamish and thinking, oh, should I really be looking at this? Because it's, it, well, it, could, it, it could be a, tra- a tragedy un- un- unfolding in front of you. But thankfully, they're very rare. Well, the book is called Show Business with Blood, A Golden Age of Irish Boxing, brilliantly written by Eamon Carr, published by Lilliput Press and available everywhere. And Eamon, thank you very much for joining us on the programme this morning. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.